1: California, and Texas, and New York, and we're going to South Dakota, and Oregon, and Washington, and Michigan, and then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House.
0: In order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the
2: Republic
3: will be reorganized into the first galactic empire for safety.
0: So this is how liberty dies.
3: With thunderous applause.
1: Gentlemen, what color is your lightsaber? <laughs> oh, green for sure. Green.
2: <laughs> Even so, though red is my favorite save, color. Safe choice. Safe choice. <laughs> Mitch? I think I think I think often in uh, um, Knights of the Old Republic, I was I was yellow. I think that was. Ooh, usually wait, what's the one I yellow? Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, if I remember right, that was the one that was more like the sort of the scout type character, where you have more, like more intelligence um, and less like brute strength. Oh, okay. so you get, like
3: a, you get a stat buff to your with your lightsaber. Mm,
2: right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> wow, we've just come right out of the gates. Pretty nerdy here. M- um, <laughs> what's your uh, what's your color? <laughs> is your lightsaber? I, is there such thing as orange? Because that's what I would like. There's whatever you want. There's what you want. And I would like an orange lightsaber. <laughs> Any peculiar
1: reason, or do you just like dreamsicles? Uh, to match the shoes that I would be wearing in <laughs> oh, this sure. scenario. Oh, so. sure. Coordination <laughs> is important. That's
3: right. You are going to be an awesome Jedi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Force is strong with you, young Mulberry.
3: <laughs> Chris? <laughs> well,
1: I mean, y- y- you can't say red, right? Because you can't, you can't be that guy who's like, yeah, I'd rather be a Sith.
3: I think there's something... Oh, but come on, Chris. You're into role-playing games. You could come up with a story where you, like, killed a Sith and took his lightsaber. There so I you're, know. like, a good guy, mm-hmm. but you have a bad guy lightsaber. That could be a backstory for your character. You could roll up some attributes and...
1: All right, fine, guys. <laughs> I will shoot first. This is our Star Wars podcast. Let's do this. It's election it's shock therapy. But we're heading off of Earth to a galaxy... Fantasy a, edition. ...some time long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away let uh, to lay a few ground rules out as we as we get rolling here. I feel like there should be some swelling John music theme music behind me. John Williams theme music behind either me. Either um, not John Legend theme music behind me. I, I take that too, to be honest. Uh, let me, let me, here's here's what we're doing. We know that the world is riven with real politics that political scientists should be focused on, but as and we, we have, have we have and we and we have and are. <laughs> but we oftentimes with ourselves and our students find ourselves talking about the political worlds that inhabit fictional worlds mm-hmm. and i'm actually curious does
3: does that have utility in a poli sci class to, to go to something yeah. from popular here's culture? the
1: genesis of this whole idea was a few years ago i was in my introduction to international relations class we were talking about imperialism and colonialism and i mentioned an example of something that was happening i said this is kind of like star wars minus mm-hmm. the death star mm-hmm. and students are like Star Wars is an imperial and I said well there's an empire it's, it's literally colonialism yeah and we walked through that and then they said well what about Narnia and I said well Narnia is blah blah blah, blah. What, what about Lord of the Rings well Lord of the Rings is interesting and they got we, we, we probably spent yep. more time than we should have just kind of walking through some of these fictional worlds and ever since then this idea for a podcast has been knocking around in my head and I wanted to get you guys in here because as I you know, as as doctors watch ER or as doctors watch other medical shows, <laughs> they're frustrated by some of the things they see. As uh, lawyers watch uh, um, um, uh, You were gonna go LA Law or I was you? gonna say better call Saul, okay. but that's a bad example. <laughs> but as they as they watch uh, shows with with legal affairs in them, then they get Shonda Rhymes shows, things okay. like that. Then they get they get frustrated as well. And and, and political scientists do, to a much lesser extent, get frustrated with the way that politics are sometimes portrayed in film series. And when you have these big epic sci-fi or mm-hmm. fantasy mm-hmm. films, inevitably you have to introduce the politics of that world, and it's usually done with some problems. So <laughs> just a few we want to just take a few podcasts here for your enjoyment. If you're here for real politics, you can skip to the next one. But if you're here for some fun, we want to talk through what's going on in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Gents, just as a little bit of a, um, a credentialing, uh, tell me about your Star Wars viewing experiences.
3: Uh, I think I saw my first. I think I saw one in the 70s. Wow. Okay. So, that I actually so, you're, have, so,
1: you're an OG Star Wars that's fan. That's right. Wow. <laughs> so, I think I
3: th- I, if I'm doing the math right, I think it must have been when... Uh, the Earth was cooling. No. <laughs> cause, because uh, Empire comes out in 79, right? 80. 80? 80? Okay, then it would have yeah. been in the 80s. I think they re- they must have re-released um uh New A New Hope when yeah. that cuz I have a memory of going to that in a theater and I was born in 77, so there's no way I saw it in its original theatrical run, but I know it had to be <laughs> um before 81 because we were still living in in Rochester, Minnesota. Wow. So oh, okay. well. yeah. so like so I have a distinct memory of my mom wow. taking me to that. Um so that that's and then I've watched, I've been obsessed ever since. Not wow. to the degree <laughs> of some others in the room, but yes. <clears throat> well. so
1: we're going to save that for last.
3: Andy, <laughs> uh, what is your Star Wars I came, experience? you know,
0: I came late to Star Wars. So I grew up in um, Senegal in West Africa, as I think I've mentioned here before. Mm-hmm. And I um, did, had not watched Star Wars growing up. And so I went to Bible college my freshman year of college. Which is and, an ideal place to watch Star Wars. Which is an ideal place to watch Star Wars, as it turns out. So it was 98, 99 was the academic year I was there. And, and of course, 99 mm-hmm. was when the prequels came out. And so probably inspired in part by that, at this small Bible college I went to, they decided to do this theme week um, during Winter Fe- what they call Winter Fest, where they would do, um, they call it Intergalactic Real Estate Wars, um, and it was a very Star Wars theme. And wow. you know, we did all these like activities on campus. It was sort of, sometimes there was a little bit of conflation of college life and like being at summer camp
1: at this particular college. And so, um, <laughs> I have no you, experience with that, what that must
0: be like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sure you're horrified. I say in a deadpan voice. So in any case, we did that, but one of the things they did as part of that week was they showed the three three um original movies on the big screen in like our basically our chapel uh auditorium uh, part of the building and so uh, i had never seen them and some of the my my classmates were just amazed like you've never seen star wars like one of the guys <laughs> who was super nerdy about this as well he's like i want to sit by you he's like you don't know who darth vader is i'm like no i don't <laughs> <laughs> so he's he like a super rough dude yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was after movie one, right, or movie four, I guess technically. So um, that's that's my Star Wars story. But I I loved it, um, and I watched the the prequels when those came out, and been a fan ever
1: since. Okay, can I just before we go to the before the other two of us, Andy, you haven't seen these until you were an adult. I was yeah. I I wonder how much that affects how you yeah how you enjoy and how you digest these movies. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't like. It's it feels like that's like the same question of what was it like to grow up overseas? Like, well, I don't know. I never grew up here. I right? to, I, um, so I don't know. Yeah. How that a compares. Yeah. So um, I'm sure it does affect it, but I don't, yeah, I don't have any particular comment. It on is interesting.
3: How. So you're somebody who, who, who watched star Wars, but never didn't, you've probably never played star Wars. Well, you have kids now. So right. Maybe, but not really. Yeah. yeah, yeah like no. that's, mm. no. In the '80s, that was you'd b- never grabbed a broom handle. Yeah, and right. I didn't. Yeah, more I didn't, I didn't lightsaber watching. fight as a kid,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. More than watching yeah. Star
3: Wars was playing it because yeah. obviously more of your time yeah, was spent yeah, doing that. Yeah. yeah, wow. Yeah,
1: I mean, I do not
0: know how to make the lightsaber noise, like, but you know, I don't. I didn't really play it much. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna save our true Jedi master for yeah, uh, for the last. But let me tell you, I with Obi Wan. I grew up in a small rural <laughs> town. I'm about Sam's age, and we didn't have a VCR growing up. And the movie, the nearest movie theater was. Uh, well, I we didn't see them in the theater. I'll just leave it at that. No. But the library for a while had VCRs you could check out of the theater. It came in a big, giant bag. And you could bring this VCR <laughs> home, and then your dad would spend an hour hooking it up to the TV and, and getting frustrated. And then that's how I saw um, A New Hope and Empire. Hmm. So I, 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 I really wow. remember being a little because i didn't see a lot of movies and so i wasn't conditioned to see like stuff i only saw stuff that was on the major networks and so when they like when the you know when when luke gets jumped uh by the tauntaun like man i was i was a little scared it's in my living room and that was a that's a very memorable scene for me i don't remember getting through empire um i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't remember getting through jet uh uh, retreat the jedi but I remember those first two films. And so I was, I saw those as a formative kit and I played star Wars growing up. I saw everything else I've seen in the theater. So I saw the prequels in the theaters. I even went and saw the re edited, remastered, re released a new hope that came out in the theater in like 97, something Mm -hmm. like that. And thinking at the time, Oh, this is great. Like we're just going to keep improving these movies forever and ever. And, And now I look back at that and you know, the, the, the critical uh, the critical uh, view has shifted, but right, right. But I'm also kind of I, I'm as I've, as Sam knows I'm a lore guy, so anything that has sort of a deep lore, a deep mm-hmm, backstory, mm-hmm. sort of a rich, <clears throat> shall we say, Wikipedia, uh, I'm I'm in on totally <laughs> in. So, but I don't think I hold a candle to Doctor Crumb. All right, nerd alert, nerd alert, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Crumb. You, this is a podcast. Yes. people can't this see a, us. Yeah, you
2: brought. Props. I did. He did. I did. Uh, since since I knew we were doing this, uh, <laughs> my students know if they've come to my office that um, I have a, a few Lego sets. A few. Yeah. <laughs> a few. <laughs> um, well, I, I'll just say your uh, just, office is Lego Land. Just, just well, just just, just yeah. by way of illustration, I, I, I acquired three new sets over my birthday this last week. <laughs> So, how many of you space? put together, two, two, two so of far? them Star Wars, one of them real space. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got the real Apollo rocket model, so that nice. was okay. so that was nice. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. But at any rate, yes, I brought I brought a couple of my favorite vehicles. One of my favorite vehicles growing up, there probably probably the favorite was. Uh, was, uh, was the Snowspeeder. So I have, that, I have that model here with me. Um, and then I also have the B-Wing, which was... Um, now, the B-Wing is pretty sweet. The I'm B-Wing is pretty... Yeah, it's great. Um, and it was, it was probably my favorite vehicle um, on this X-Wing uh, video game when I was growing up. So. Very nice. Um, but anyway, I should probably back up. And actually... If, if, if,
1: if, if, um, if you suddenly won the lottery, uh-huh. how quickly... Lego would be happy. Would you purchase the Death Star?
2: um uh, that yeah that 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 would probably be immediate i mean it would be okay. it, would, it would be it would be after it would be after buying the new millennium Falcon i mean okay. the, the new Falcon, of course would be the first and for the you know, record he right. has the, he does have the, the first old one. yes i 've got an old falcon <laughs> it, it was actually the falcon I have is the second generation lego falcon, um Ooh. so there's like i don't know they're on like the fourth generation now, plus the big
3: one, but um you you don't don't I, I love it. that we live in a world where if you won the lottery, which is code for like limitless money, you'd be like, I'm gonna get a lot of Legos, but I'm gonna parcel it out. I'm not gonna go and buy both.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but- <laughs> which should tell you something about how much these uh, these models cost. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to win a second it's, lottery. It's, it's, well, it's it's
2: also the time. I mean, I think the the setup time for the new Falcon people have said is like 14 <laughs> to 15 hours. So, you know, I I don't know if I could just sit down and do the whole thing. Anyway, uh, um, yeah. yes, you could. <laughs> so. I, so actually, I do have like a, I, I don't know if I've told you guys this, but I actually do have uh, oh a really personal story with Star Wars um, and growing up. So this actually—do um, you want me to hum just as I am? In the maybe, background? yeah. Okay. So so basically, um, part part of the reason that uh, part, part of the reason that I was homeschooled was because I was not doing well in school um, during the first couple of years that I was there, um, and that was what actually tipped my parents towards towards doing that. And part of what I was struggling with actually was. Uh, it, because of my social struggles, I was having academic struggles. Mm. And so I was actually having trouble reading. And what uh, what got me into reading, actually, mm. the first books that I willingly and voluntarily went out and read were actually Star Wars books. Ah, and so I have this sort of, so there's sort of this deep personal connection to me mm. and Star Wars because Star Wars is actually what led to... Uh, my original love of reading, which of course has led to, um, a whole career in that sense. Wow. So, so Star Wars actually like goes back wow. pretty, pretty far for me. Nice. Um, the first book, uh, that, that I read was, um, was, uh, oh, uh, was it Calvin K- J. Anderson? Um, it was the first it was the first book in the Jedi Academy series um, Jedi Search. That was the name of the book. Mm, okay. um, and that book was was in many ways like, you know, as, as, as weird and silly as it sounds like that book actually was what like kicked off um, my reading. So like wow. so in that sense, like I actually do have sort of a personal connection to it. But nice. um, from there, uh, basically, I guess, you know, my actual viewing of Star Wars started before that. So that was when I was like eight or nine when I first read that book. Um, and uh, I had seen Star. I don't know when I first saw Star Wars. I probably, my guess is that I first saw Star Wars. Uh, my dad, who was a band director, um, <clears throat> so I'm a little younger, so I didn't get to see Star Wars in the theaters until sure. the re-release. I did see. <laughs> He's being kind. A little Rub, it I did, Rub it in. I did, I, did, I did see the re-releases in the theaters. He so, was born in the 80s. Um, <laughs> in, in the 90s. So I did get to see those. That, that was exciting. But, um, but, uh, but originally I saw, my, my dad was a band director, and so he would do pep bands um, for the basketball games. Mm-hmm. And so he would sometimes take my brother and sometimes my cousin and occasional other friends along, and he would basically depot us in the band room, which had a mm-hmm. TV, which mm-hmm. we didn't have a TV at home and he, we would basically get to go to the mo- to the video rental store and pick out nice. whatever movies we wanted, and we really should have just bought Star Wars right. because, I mean, we rented it more often than not, you know, the different Star Wars movies, sure. and watched them over and over and over again. I probably watched them 20 or 30 times in that um, band room yes. to the point, I mean, this is how much I watched them. Um, we, I actually had a Star Wars Trivial Pursuit game, and my brother and cousin, even though they were also diehard star Wars fans um, sometimes would, would concede to me early on because I could literally recite the entire trilogy word for word. Mm, so wow. that's, so that's where I was um, basically with, with star Wars growing up. Like I, I, and I can still recite mo- many of the scenes in the original trilogy. Like I, nice. I have that sort of programmed in there. Wow. Um,
1: all right. So anyway, yes. I'm willing to. So all this to say, we're going to lean heavily on Doctor. Trump <laughs> <laughs> in this now, analysis. He's our expert here. Yeah. So
2: you know, so so basically, that was sort of my my introduction to it. Now, from there, I read a lot of the. Um, sort of backstory books, you know, the Timothy Zahn series, of course, is a favorite. Um, Which like are I said, it, not canon, right? These are no longer canon. They were canon at the time. Like Luke, like Lucasfilm and George Lucas actually, like, signed off on them at the time. Um, so they were canon for a while, and that's sort of the big uproar in Star Wars fandom is that, you know, this stuff was Star Wars, um, and now it's not. Um <laughs> and maybe at the end we can talk about like, some of the differences, or I can talk about it now. I don't know. But I, I have mixed feelings about it. I, I do appreciate, especially the, mo- the most recent film. I think The, la- I think the Last Jedi actually is, um, at least my feeling right now, Sam sort of balked at this when I said this earlier, but uh, my feeling right now is that that's the best Star Wars movie. Um, Ooh, I, hot, I t- wait, here? of all of them? Yeah. Yes, of all of them. Wow. Yep. I, think, I think it is number one. Um, no. see I have much much more mixed feelings about that, yeah, then. well, we can talk about that i think but. uh but but uh but anyway, so all that all that is to say uh. Yeah, I've I've done a lot with Star Wars. Um, I I got off the train on the books when the Yuuzhan Vong invaded, uh, and uh, that was after Bantam stopped publishing I'm the books. Just
1: following this, by the way, for for your viewers,
2: <laughs> Sam and I had blank looks.
0: in
1: Okay, our anyway, face right now. sorry. I'll quit. I'll, I'll stop. But all that is to
2: say, I, I I I did feel like the books sort of derailed themselves. They went they went too far, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but anyway, but I'll I yeah that really goes way beyond <laughs> the pale here. So.
1: Now, while I, would, um, while I would love to spend the rest of our time just quietly listening to Dr. Crumb B. <laughs> Wikipedia, um, I, I do have some questions that uh, we're all going to answer. and These are questions yes. that are going to hold from... We're going to do several of these podcasts. That's the hope for different worlds. Point. We're going to announce at the end of this podcast what our next fictional world is going to be. Oh, we are. I'm excited. Uh, I don't even know which one is next. <laughs> you will be excited. Stay tuned. You I will be, be excited. I'm, for I'm excited already. But uh, uh, we have got some. I mean, I'll reveal the questions as we go through today. But we're gonna. These will be questions we treat every uh, every yes. every world with. Star War, Star Wars is a challenging world. We wanted to start with it because we all love it. But we also want to acknowledge that this is a, um, literally eon spanning spanning galaxy, eon spanning world, and we're only going to look at the generations that really figure into the films. Although we acknowledge there's we might reference things that come before and after. Even there uh, we see multiple generations of of people moving through the scene. So Mm -hmm. uh, this first question is going to be challenging, but uh, we're going to we're going to engage anyway. What is the political system of this universe? What evidence do we see that points us to how we would describe this universe politically?
0: Well actually, I mean in some ways, this is a pretty simple question at the in terms of just the basic answer. um It starts as a republic, and as that quote you listen to at the beginning of our podcast suggests, it then turns into um an empire. Uh, and the republic seems to involve, I mean, uh, you know, basically a federal republic. So you have a bunch of different subnational units of government mm-hmm. um, who govern themselves differently, right? So Mitch and I were talking about this a little bit before because we're In this just case, subgalactic nerdy. units. Yeah, subgalactic <laughs> units, right? So these subgalactic units, I mean, they govern themselves differently. The ones... I could think of in terms of like where we get some insight into how they're governed. I mean, we have Tatooine, of course, which is Luke's home planet. Um, it's governed by the huts who are basically gangsters. So if you imagine like ruled by the mob, it's like a mobocracy, essentially. Um, and then you have um, the world governed by Padme. Um, and she's... Naboo. A Naboo, right? And she's, and she's an elected queen. And she's a young girl who's elected as queen. Um, so she's like 12, well, she also has a something minister. like that. She eventually, yeah, she has a prime minister. She eventually becomes senator. Power. She
1: just like a figurehead, head of state. Well, she seems to be actually making decisions.
0: So that's weird. I mean, to be you know necessarily choosing a twelve-year-old girl to govern you, but um, I mean, maybe better than a twelve-year-old boy, perhaps. But uh, but nonetheless, right? I mean, not not (laughs) necessarily the first thing you'd go to. So um, that's their governance structure. And then there's the the parallel Gungan world on that same planet. Which seems to be governed by some kind of maybe oligarchy. Maybe I mean the guy's kind of like a boss. So maybe it's also the mob. Maybe it's more of a traditional elite. We're can not I, really can sure. Can I actually ask a question? Those are the three we have some insight uh, into. Yeah, a a question
3: about it. when you talked about uh, Tatooine being a mobocracy, the the Huts rule. I mean, in fact, they rule. But like, do they? They're, are, do they are they represented in the Senate? Like,
0: yeah, there's. I mean, is there a there, hut in I think the there's Senate? actually a glimpse of some.
3: I don't. I, I,
2: I'm not I, sure about that. I don't know how much I should
3: sort of. You should
0: just oh nerd
3: okay you're a fly fly so okay so
2: so so to my knowledge I don't know that Tatooine has a representative in the Senate however uh, I think there is if I remember right there is uh, there is a planet called Nalhada, and uh, Nalhada nice. is a planet as you might imagine that is the home world of the Hutts um, and I believe they probably do have representatives in the Senate so mm-hmm. yeah
0: okay because there, there other worlds, worlds kind of outside that are the system, theocracies almost.
1: what's that there are other worlds that are theocracies they're governed by the ruling religious elite are there you saying or... i'm asserting that there are yes okay. there are like which um, one are you thinking of i'm thinking of the of the um the sith world that's run that's led by the Knight sisters
2: oh right well yeah yeah
1: yeah okay um <laughs> cool so yes, yeah i mean is sure. um there
2: you go <laughs> yeah dathomir <laughs> yeah, Doth- <yeah>, Doth- <laughs> is definitely that um, I mean, again it depends on how far you want to go into the books i mean right, there are different correct. Um, and, and of course, those aren't canon now, so I don't know if they count anymore. That's but, right. um, but, but yes, I mean, there are different political systems that are right. illustrated throughout. I mean, there's tribal systems, like with the Nogri. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, you have the
0: Ewoks who have some kind of, what, what do they yeah, have? That's some true. sort of like basic, right. really rudimentary democracy, maybe, or like, or village government. Village I mean, government, I sure, yeah. It seems to be nice. what you get. But I mean, like, in terms sure. of what's in the movies, there aren't a ton of glimpses. But yeah. what we, I think what we can say, is, I mean, so it starts off as this. Republic, It's it's definitely federal in the sense that there's different kinds of governance within it. Right. Um, and, and a fairly high tolerance. And then they're sending like – what's that?
1: And A fairly high tolerance of
3: different types of governance. Yeah, and yeah.
0: then they're sending representatives to a common senate,
1: right? Um, is
3: there a sense of govern- where the republic comes from? Because in the movies we see how the empire comes about. But is there is there – I mean maybe that's too long of a thing to answer. But <laughs> is there something that bands these groups together? Um,
2: so I think that, so this is going to show the limits of my mm. knowledge here. I think there are a couple of books that have come out that have attempted to sort of pull this together, but the idea behind like, especially some of the, uh, you know, you, and this goes back to Obi-Wan's quote in a new hope, right? So in a new hope, Obi-Wan says for over a thousand generations, um, the Jedi were the, the, were the guardians of the Republic. And so the books have sort of taken that literally to be like the Republic was around like time, ty- time out of mind. Like, okay. you know, it's been, you know millennia after millennia of Republic for you know, for a long time. Um, how it originally gets started, I mean there are some backstories. Um I I don't know if they're particularly relevant for okay. us.
3: Okay. No, that's yeah. not a problem. I'm just just curious, like like by mm-hmm. the time we're watching them in the movies, is it it's basically tradition keeps them together that they've always for as far as yeah. they're concerned, they've always been part of this? This,
2: this is this is where the Star Wars universe, I think, has a little bit of a dicey issue. So on the one hand, it's supposed to be a galactic empire. And the suggestion is that Coruscant is actually supposed to be as part of the quote-unquote core. And mm-hmm. it's supposed to be part of the, sort of almost the center of the galaxy in some way. Right. So the idea is that most of the galaxy is in this empire or is in this republic. But then on the other hand, and this is where you get some inconsistencies, you also then constantly encounter new things. So it's sort of like, they want the Star Trek going where no one has gone before, yeah. and yet they also want, like, galaxy spanning empire and that's sort of a tension or inconsistency i guess right because right.
3: we there there's not in the in the films at least there's not an i mean it's it's about internal struggle within right. a political system there's uh-huh. not right. something Outside of it, right? Um, yeah,
2: yeah, and I think that's. Uh, I mean, that's and that that tension is sort of again right. not to harp too much on the Yus and Vong that I really don't like uh, that come in the latter period of the books, <laughs> but like that's basically what, what they have to resort to. Where okay. basically they're like, we need because the, the bad guys, the Yus and Vong, actually come from outside the galaxy. Okay, so like we need to import a new like
3: master mm-hmm. villain um, from from beyond the galaxy. So, and is there a sense that the Republic is? expansionist that they that they have a desire to grow I mean this is the whole thing like again
2: it's sort of like it's sort of like they've hit the limit I mean there's sort of a suggestion that like they rule the galaxy and you've sort of hit the end of the galaxy like how can you go further and 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 that's the tension though because then it's Mm -hmm. sometimes like Mm -hmm. you encounter unexplored areas or there's different parts or I don't know and this yeah and there's definitely
0: a suggestion I mean at the beginning of you know the Phantom Menace the so the first episode chronologically but the fourth one that was made right um, that you know the the republic has become corrupt. It's become inefficient right. at governing. So it's that it's, I mean, like you you send people to the central government, but it can't really exercise control. It can't deal with crises. Right. So you know you have this trade boycott in Naboo, and it's not they're not able to do anything about it. So um, that it's become weak, right? And so the basically it's failing, which is why you know you get um Darsidious then. And successfully in the, in the midst of that, that
1: weakness, we get other kind empire. of. Uh, para para political organizations mm-hmm. like trade syndicates mm-hmm. right um right. and other kinds of large intergalactic <laughs> uh consortiums of like of, of self-interest we right. get we get uh, special interest
3: groups is right. is, yeah. is there a degree to which the republic is maybe more like the united nations than it is like a i mean it's so big that i i think i think that's actually yeah. a pretty apt analogy um, I,
1: could i could i offer it's perhaps more like the eu
3: yeah, M- yeah. More
1: actually, IP that's you. yeah. I think that's actually yeah. yeah that's even better because yeah. it yeah. does have some talk about that. Ability. Well, the European Union, uh, the United Nations has a very has a fairly clearly prescribed limit to its capacity okay. to enforce law. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly designed to protect the sovereignty of its member states and, to, right. and for mutual defense purposes. Uh, in contrast, the European Union has an explicit integrationist motive. Right. Okay. Over yeah. time, it's designed to bring its member states into greater and greater cohesion. Uh, in terms of currency, in terms of passports, in terms of common uh, agricultural practices, uh, patent law, things like that. And over time, in theory, perhaps transform Europe into something more resembling the United States, mm-hmm. where the differences between Germany and France are no different than the differences between Ohio and Indiana. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. uh, that has not been realized, and certainly has not been realized in... Um, In in the in the in the Galactic Republic yet either but you can kind of imagine the European Union there is a core right there are countries that are more committed to to the European project countries like the lowland countries in Germany and countries that are on the periphery that are less committed to the project Brexit for example (laughs) and Britain's and Portugal's lack of commitment
0: right. Well, I, I would go one step further and say, I mean, I think it's actually—it seems like the republic is designed to be more like the United States, right? In the sense that the central government should actually govern, but the, the subnational units or our subgalactic units, in this case, right, have have some real govern, governing authority. And what seems to be happening by the time when we kind of enter this world in Phantom Menace is that's unraveling. So it's becoming yeah. less like something like the United States and more like something like the EU. Where, hmm. you know, they, there's just more ability to push back. I mean, like, you know, Britain can leave, right? We wouldn't let Texas do that, right? Um, so that you know there's a difference in these systems. Hmm. Um, so it seems like that's unraveling, which is part of why you're going to get the move from republic to empire. I mean, you know, Palpatine is making a radical move. He's, he is destroying liberty in some sense, right? But there's a reason that that desire for order is met with thunderous applause, right? That, or that de- declaration of order, um, because... The republic's not working, right? So, right. so he's going to the sort of extreme.
1: Well, let me push us ahead then, because we've kind of addressed a couple questions here. We've addressed what political system is this universe? Yeah. We've said it's, it starts out as a federalized mm-hmm. republic, but it moves into an empire. Right. Let me just very quickly aside: is that a for, for, is that a typical move in the real world? Does that is that something that happens? Do federal republics become empires? <laughs> well, there
0: is a bit of a historical thing here, right, Mitch? <laughs> well, this is true. I mean.
2: Um, I mean, basically, I mean, one of the I mean, I mean, the obvious uh, the obvious parallel is the Roman Republic. I mean, yep. this is there we go. The, yep. This yep. is that, you know, this is this is where you, where you go from uh, a relatively representative uh, Senate where yep. you basically have different interests and areas in society represented in the Senate, which sort of looks like different galactic subunits i guess Mm -hmm. um transforming into an empire and once again i mean for similar reasons you know george lucas is obviously leaning heavily on this idea um you know Mm -hmm. basically rome had come to the point where you have a lot of inefficiencies um it's not clear that rome uh is sort of in that sense quote-unquote working um and the the caesars basically are put into place to try to make rome um you know work try to try to bring more efficiency (laughs) and uh um uh, progress in that sense, and, there's, and they're successful. Um, one of the, you know, for for hundreds of years. You were going to say make Rome great again, weren't you? Well, no, uh, <laughs> but uh, Rome was already great. Um, but
1: uh, yeah, so, there we go. Uh,
0: but uh, so basically, what we're talking about in the in terms of what Palpatine's trying to do is Pax Galactica, right? Yes, right. there we okay. go. Right? Yeah, right. it's a yeah, know, it's piece a of the Pax yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. The second question we've already kind of talked about what political theories or concepts pop up we've mentioned things like uh colonialism imperialism um a Capitalism. core a core periphery dynamic mm-hmm. which emmanuel wallerstein yeah. would be proud of Yay. us mentioning Ooh, or um <laughs> i hadn't thought about him for a while <laughs> and now you have and now i have thank you <laughs> Let's go to the third question. (laughs) What does this world, and when I say world, I don't mean Naboo or or Coruscant, but I mean what is the the, the Star Wars world get right about politics? And for my money especially, what does it get wrong about politics?
0: Well, I think one of the things it does get right, I mean, is what Mitch just referenced. I mean, that whole Roman analogy I think kind of works, right? It's it's tracing a real-world sort of political decline. What happens when you have a Republican form of government, And it just gets bigger and bigger what you're trying to accomplish. And even, like, we're seeing some of these struggles in our own country right now, right? I mean, um, that it's getting harder and harder as the country gets larger and more diverse right to really hold this governing compact together and to come together and make good decisions. Um, so we're seeing some of this like kind of inefficiency growing and um, people having less trust in government. We've talked about that on this podcast, right? So I think um, that kind Which, of political so degeneration are the that?
1: regional compacts that we see in star Wars, the trading alliances. Yeah, there's some of that going banking on. Clans, um, that I mean, they, similar, we just right?
0: get hints of it, right? But there certainly mm-hmm. are. So there's that kind of degeneration. And I think that's real. I mean, like when it, points to that kind of degeneration and then suggests that one of the ways you solve this is by getting a strong central leader who, for example, in the beginning of um, New Hope, right, has decided to basically shut down the Senate, abolish that and just empower sort of strong regional governors. Um, So basically you have an autocrat and then sub autocrats, right? And that seems to me like, yes, that's that's the kind of thing you do to restore order when you've had one form of government and it just has become sort of inadequate to deal with the, the problems of the the polity.
2: Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think all of that is right. I think, um, one of the things that, uh, and I I hesitate, I don't know if I want to launch into the spiel that I, Gave Andy earlier, but about the, oh, the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. It we should talk
1: about the Jedi. I mean, we got to talk about. So, the Jedi. You, do, you, do you mean the Praetorian Guard of, the, of theocrats who je- zealously guard their position of power? You mean the, the Platonic Guardians? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Platonic? I'm <laughs> mm, not so sure.
2: <laughs> well, here's well, the thing. Listen to Mitch make the okay, case. Okay. So, so <laughs> well, 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 so here's the thing. So, I was thinking about this, and in terms of like thinking about what, what does it get right, what does it get wrong? I think if you look at the world. Um, in in the first in the first series, um, the sort of sort of the premise of a of thing about like the nature of humanity. And the world is sort of is, is, is basically premised on this just radical inequality. So mm. if you look at the original trilogy, it's just premised on the idea that there there's political inequality and that you have princesses and knights and things like that. Sure. And, um, you know, and then uh and then it goes forward and you find out that you know people themselves are not equal. Like there's fundamentally inequality in terms of human nature itself. Right. Mm. Like some people are force sensitive, some people aren't. Um, and that's why you know if you look at you know some some people have noted this that you know Star Wars sort of turned. The everyman narrative on its head because mm-hmm. it starts out as sort of the story of this farm boy who goes off and saves the princess um, and then becomes something. Well, you find out midway through, of course, that the farm boy isn't just a farm boy, he actually is. Um, something you know you're a wizard he's Harry. actually a oh, wizard wait, <laughs> yeah one. we'll so, get down. there <laughs> so yeah so he's actually that and so but you know but, but you find out you know that they you know somehow luke and obi-wan are fundamentally like better than than han right, right. Who's, yeah. who's transporting them right yeah. you know han will never be able to be a jedi knight because he's not force sensitive and so he's right. not as powerful right. and as in tune with with the universe or whatever mm-hmm. um so, you know, so, so you have those, all this inequality um, that's sort of baked into it. And, um, you is know, is that, that
1: something that gets right? Or is that something that gets wrong?
2: Well, Ooh. I think so. So, <laughs> this this is where it gets tricky. And this is where, this, uh, on, on the one hand, like, it, it depends, I guess, I guess it depends on your worldview. Like, it depends on what, what, yeah. what, how you view the world. Do you think people are fundamentally unequal in certain important ways? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you think people are, have sort of basic inequalities, um, then that seems to get things right. I mean, that mm-hmm. there are some people who simply are better than others. And you can sort of, you know, this, gets back to, this sort of gets back to Plato. I mean, mm-hmm. Plato essentially is going to say, yes, there are fundamental inequalities in people. And that that's essentially the nature of the world. If you're going to rightly understand the world and politics then you just need to accept that some people are going to be smarter, some people are going to be better equipped to be um, fulfill different roles in society, and that's how you should structure your politics, with that in mind, with that fundamental inequality in mind. Um, and I think that's sort of the premise. I don't mm-hmm. think George Lucas read Plato, but um, <laughs> maybe he did. I don't he know. May have. He may have. That's true. He certainly um, watched Kurosawa.
1: Yes. And that,
2: and that's and that sort of, accept, I guess, and so, and so that's another version, though, of this sort of mm-hmm. fundamental inequality worldview. I mean, yep. Yep. so... Um, so at any rate, so you, have, so you have that, and I think this is where the frustration comes in. I was thinking about this today, like why I think the prequels just are utterly incoherent when it comes to <laughs> meshing up with the original trilogy. Yep. So when you look at the prequels then, the prequels then try to sort of reject the fundamental inequality that's baked into the universe in the original series and sort of try to say, well, everybody's equal. And everything is everything is equal in this sense. And um, And basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, well you know the political inequalities that you saw in the original series like princesses well maybe that's just democratic right maybe it's elected democratic right. and, they <laughs> and they have two term limits two term limits it's like okay um, hmm. and then uh, you know and then and then you, and then you reject sort of the inequality of of, uh, of the force by saying well it's it, it doesn't have anything to do with sort of like their fundamental nature it's just, it's just sort of a science to this right? Right. it's just medichlorians which as an aside sort of has an immediate dark side to it because if you sort of scientize this then it sort of suddenly becomes it sort of starts to to sound like well, eugenics, eugenics yeah. Yeah. or it starts yeah. to sound like, you know, maybe we should start looking at IQ counts for different people groups um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And we can sort of scientize that. I can that. count your
1: midichlorians, I can count your neurons. Exactly. Right.
2: So right. that sort of immediately has sort of a dark side to this democ- democratization here. But um, but nonetheless, right, so so when, I, so when you look at the prequels, right, the whole push towards democratization seems to sort of really undermine the coherence of the whole world. And I think that's, I think that's where it really unravels and I think I think mm-hmm. where the prequels are the strongest is where they try to re- is where is where they, you still see the inequality and to some degree right. and you see that most strongly I think it was suggesting this to Sam with Darth Sidious right. so mm-hmm. Darth Sidious makes no pretensions about believing in equal, in, in any kind of equality he yeah. sees himself as superior he's the higher being and so that leads to what I think is the best scene in the prequels which is the temptation of Anakin mm-hmm. um, which is where Darth Darth Sidious basically comes to Anakin and says you know you really have this deep power and we can find even deeper power together Mm -hmm. and it's only us like it's just you and I and so this sort of this temptation is basically about this there's this fundamental inequality in the world and you and I can fully embrace it it. you and I can embrace it and and And, and
1: possibly even for noble ends we can embrace it to do good for others right right that's totally how he
0: frames it and he you know and and he's very practical I mean like you know if that means like getting rid of Count Dooku who's his previous apprentice so he can replace him with a better stronger apprentice who's got this more the stronger connection to the forest right they both had strong connections but Anakin stronger, right. you do that, right? I yep. mean, so it is very much this that that kind of idea of a, a natural hierarchy, if yeah. you will, know, like naturally superior, superiority. And
2: and, and 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 I think where we see sort of this democratization sort of go really wrong. So the most, so the so the, so the I think um, Revenge of the Sith has both like the best moment and the worst moment in some ways in the prequels, mm-hmm. which is saying something given uh, Episode Two, but. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Wait, what's so? What's the worst moment? So the worst moment, I think, and this is what I was coming to. So, yeah. so the best moment is the temptation of Anakin. I think yeah. the worst moment is when Obi Wan comes to Anakin and says, "You were supposed to." Uh, it, or sorry, when when Anakin says that you're either with me or against me, and Obi Wan says, "That's how the Sith speak." Right. Um, you know, yeah. they they're the ones who believe in absolutes, and one of the thing, what, what that suggests, yeah, right? The moment. suggestion against absolutes is a fundamental democratic impulse. Hmm. It's to say that everyone basically has some to some degree to sort of use Rawls's terms. Everyone has their own conception of the good. No conceptions of the good or, you know, fundamental worldviews are fundamentally better than anyone else's. And we should all respect that. We should all respect (laughs) everyone's mutual conceptions of the good. And that's essentially the view that Obi-Wan is sort of saying here. He's like, only the Sith speak in absolutes. Everybody's conception of the good is worthwhile but that fundamentally like just blows up the entire star Wars premise in the original series, right. because the fundamental premise is that there is this radical inequality. Right. There are some people who are more in touch with the truth and what is reality, which is through the force than others. And to sort of, for him to suggest that just is, is fundamentally at odds with everything that happens. That's why it feels so disjointed. Mm. I think, I mean, it just, it just really undermines the whole series in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, maybe that's, going too far, but I, but I do think that's the weakest moment sort of from a, especially from a politics or philosophy standpoint um, in the series. Mm-hmm. It just fundamentally, it just shows that George Lucas fundamentally misunderstood the world he created in the original series um, when he went forward and made the prequels. Yes.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think just to add two other quick things that they, I think they get right and we should talk about some things they get wrong, too. But um, one is um, kind of connecting to what Mitch just said. Um, there's a famous work by a political sociologist by the name of Robert Michaels, right, who talked about the iron law of oligarchy, that no matter what system you put in place, you're likely to end up with a few people ruling. Um, and Star Wars does seem to get that right. Right. In that sense, that yeah. like even though even though they have that, that sort of weird democratic super-equality kind of approach in the prequels, it still ends up being a few people ruling, <laughs> a few people having the influence, right? Mm-hmm. And that does seem to reflect the real world of politics, right? And and insights that, in fact, academics have spent time, you know, thinking deeply about. So in that sense, I think it gets um, that right. The other thing I think it gets right, and this jumps to the end of the original series and then into the ones that are just coming out now, is that um, revolutions are problematic, right? In terms of like, it's one thing <laughs> to try to overthrow tyranny. It's a, another thing to try to establish good governance. Now, I would really like to see them fill in some gaps here because I, it's not clear to me sort of how this unravels, but I think... The fact that, you know, you end with this triumphal revolution that defeats evil, right, at the end of uh, The Return of the Jedi, right? And then yet in these new movies coming out, we're right back, right, into tyranny. It's slid into in- unstable governance. But that, I think that gets that, it right. That gets it You're right. Saying, Ewok that's what I'm saying. That, not that, enough. You have to do something. It is not that. enough. <laughs> right? it's, you it's, have it's my have favorite little side searches. is if
1: they blew up the Death Star that close to Endor... The Ewoks are all flambeed. Like, <laughs> nobody survives. They
0: anymore. are fried. They are totally fried. Right? But anyway, like, well, I, just, I think that gets it right, right? Because yeah. it's you look at revolutions. I mean, you, from the, whether you're talking about the French Revolution in the 18th century, yes. where they're talking about yeah. Egypt, this is seven years failure. ago. They it, it just does not lead to good governance, right? The ones mm-hmm. that have are revolutions that, frankly, aren't exactly real revolutions right like the yeah. glorious revolution in britain or right. the american revolution right which are you know, i don't want to get into that side note but that's you know those aren't revolutions in the same way that, as what happened they're in Praetorian france revolutions they're they so, are they're they, kind they, of they, they get rid of the, the leadership but they
1: keep the system intact exactly right. Right?
0: right so you know in that sense i think star wars gets that right um because you know yeah this doesn't lead to the kind of good end that you're hoping for right um even though that triumphal moment Feels pretty good when you remove, you know, whether the king in France or Hosni Mubarak in Egypt, right? right. Or you know,
2: Palpatine. Right. And one, I mean, one of the things, just to sort of, if you if you want, sort of the one of the best books on this is Martin Malia's um, History's Locomotives. Like he basically mm-hmm. goes through and traces how. Revolutions generally end very badly. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, but then the other thing to think about is just uh, as you were saying this, I was sort of thinking about the Hamilton musical, where it's like <laughs> revolution is easy, governing's harder. That's right. But,
1: <laughs> but and, and in fairness, no one wants to see a movie about paving the streets of Coruscant. Like no wow. one wants <laughs> to. Right. Right. No. That's, I, and that's that's why Star Wars does it, but they still get it right.
3: Yeah. Uh, can I can I ask you a question, Mitch? Uh, this is a, a sequel question. So the, the, the most okay. two re- most recent movies are we to believe that after the empire falls that all that the whole galaxy combines again into a new Republic or no, no. Yeah.
1: Clearly not. Right. Well,
2: this, uh, well, this is the whole ambiguity of the, the new movies of the, of the most recent series. really um, and I will be honest and say that I've I've fallen off the wagon in terms of reading the most recent stuff. I just really have lost the will to sort Mensch, of. I mean they've. I mean they've. So Disney <laughs> has authorized and has put forward uh, several book series, I think hoping to sort of capitalize on people like me. Um, it's and not working. It's not working because I sort of like I sort of have exhaustion already from like the other book series that I've read, and I'm just like I'm not ready to sort of like invest in a new. Just series. To sign these for class
3: exactly. and then have your students read it and report back. So, right. We have that. But POS uh,
2: four ten. Which is a topics course. There we go. So That's true. This is actually just an <laughs> extended proposal for right, that class. There we go. <laughs> uh, but but I, but I will say, like I, I think the suggestion actually. I mean, from what I understand, from the little bit I have read, um, the suggestion actually is supposed to be that yes, they recombine into a republic, um, really? and okay. that the first order is base that the the in 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 the last uh, and maybe yeah maybe maybe I'm wrong on this. I would be. I would not I'm not willing to sort of hold the line on this but basically when the First Order in Force Awakens when they fire off their big um, Sun killer um, basically what that does is it destroys the core planets that form the core of the Republic and that's the end of the new of the new Republic right okay. there that that's sort of supposed to fragment the galaxy then at that point and that's the significance of that moment which they really understate I mean they don't go into details they just kind of mention in passing like oh yes we just blew up the core planets with the government of the Republic mm-hmm. and it's like okay like what did that mean <laughs> it's not really spelled out like what what was this republic you know did this republic look like the old republic was you know we don't yeah. really know
1: um, but it illustrates a political science concept which is that young democracies are inherently yeah. the weakest kinds of institutions right. yes right yes and and factionalization and the first order might be just simply viewed as a militant faction right. within in right. the galaxy yep. uh, mm-hmm. is there's a greater propensity for militant factionalization in young democracies than in any other yeah. type of governance
2: yeah yep yeah, I think that's and I yeah, and I think to that degree it gets it gets that right. Um
0: but yeah, it's, it is like in these new ones, it feels like to me the governance is the least clear of any. Like if you think of them as three different sort of parts of Star Wars, right? The the, the originals, then the prequels and then the the Disney ones, right? I think the Disney ones have the least clarity about what's going on in terms of governance. Um Yeah.
2: Yeah, in ter- in ter- in terms of like direct politics in that sense. I think yeah. that's I think that's right. There's it's very unclear. I think um under the surface i think the politics of the new ones actually is really uh interesting and and Mm -hmm. i think especially in last jedi actually um and i think i think in that sense i think there's actually if we're thinking about what star wars gets right i think there are a couple of great things um in last jedi that uh that are that are that are that are really right and one of those is um if you if you if you look you have uh uh you've got vice admiral holdo and she basically Mm -hmm. says the right strategy is to retreat. The right strategy is not to try to engage in heroism. It's not to directly engage um, in in, in a battle. We just need to retreat. We need to sort of try to conserve ourselves and fight Mm -hmm. another day and that's how we have to go and the way that Star Wars has often depicted war is basically this constant sort of heroics, right? You just charge straight at them but if you think about the way that most military actions and political actions are carried out, if you think about, I mean, just the American Revolution for example, you know, the whole reason that George Washington won that war was mm-hmm. because he avoided precisely that kind of military right. action. He avoided direct military action. He avoided those things. And he just basically tried to outlast. And that's essentially the strategy that Holdo suggests. Mm-hmm. And when Poe Dameron, yeah. the the dashing young hero, tries to defy those orders and tries to Let's engage, call him Lafayette. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so when you have him like directly trying to engage in military action, it's disaster, and it blows up in their face, and uh, yeah. he actually undermines the cause of the rebellion of the mm-hmm. revolution. And uh, I think that's really right. I think yeah. you know, yeah. in many that's ways, true. what Last Jedi gets right is that oftentimes direct confrontation is exactly the wrong strategy, um, and right. that. Um, if you really want to affect political change, oftentimes retreat and outlasting and surviving to fight another day is the most effective way to go. Mm. Um, and I think and I think The Last Jedi really gets that right in a way that the earlier trilogies got wrong. I mean, in that sense. Um, and in another way, it also sort of uh, brings out, I think, um, you know, basically the importance of respecting that that sort of like hierarchy and order yep. um, in the sense of, and not in the sense of like fundamental order of who's you know who's better than others but in terms of just the structural order of who's in charge and a chain of command I think the last Jedi really illustrates that that's important Mm -hmm. you know you don't sort of you know you don't sort of uh, be um, you know Han Solo uh, and just go off and do your own thing lightly Mm -hmm. I mean you do that and you risk undermining the whole strategy you often don't know the big picture and so I think that the last Jedi really captures something real um, politically in that
0: you're talking about the rebellion, and so much more than the actual governance of Yeah, well, there's not it, much it gets, about the governance of right, the but but, but it gets itself. at
2: governance. I mean, in the sense that yeah, often, I guess I would
0: think of it as more as military, but sure, well, that's true. I mean, uh, yeah,
2: it, it is it is in terms of military, but I think I th- I think it has an application to other rule as well. Okay, I mean, true in the enough, sense yeah. that yeah, in in the sense that oftentimes I think. Um, you know, if we, if we think, I think, I think this actually sort of leads us, just to think about like American politics right now, some of the problems we have. I yeah. think one of the problems that we constantly face in Congress, for example, is Congress people want to think of themselves as the big heroic single person who's going to single-handedly try to engage in heroics sure. and overturn sure. the system yeah. and become this new great thing. Right. And the problem is Congress doesn't work that way. If you nope. want to actually accomplish something, you have to work together, you have to follow a certain order, you have to respect the hierarchy that yep. has been set up yep. there. I'm and sure. part of the reason that we see a constant deadlock and inability of Congress to accomplish, Anything is everyone thinks of themselves as the next great Poe Dameron right. who's going to go off and, and do their wonderful heroics um, but the result of that is actually undermining the larger purposes and um, goals and accomplishments that Congress is meant to um, mm-hmm. It's meant to achieve because there's because there's no fundamental respect for the
1: order and the leadership there,
2: right?
1: right. I'm gonna ring the bell and take us into the lightning round gentlemen <laughs> <All right. laughs> quick, quick responses here um, This is a mostly just a test to see how hard of a grader you are Please give the Star Wars universe a grade for political accuracy. Wait, can I ask a clarification
0: question? Okay? No, you may not. <laughs> sure. Just, just one. What's up? Uh, because this is our first time doing this. So are we imagining Star Wars as a student in a class filled with other fantasy pieces or a student in a class where we actually want really, really high-level response? Professor Ramson, the do you
1: want a grade on a curve? <laughs> I want a grade on a curve. <laughs> F- fun. Grade on a curve. All right. So
0: Star Wars is like a student in class with Harry Potter and Narnia and Lord of the Rings and yeah, Star Trek. You got it. And, okay. You got it. Okay. Um, I'm, in that case i'm actually going they're going to do pretty well I think yeah. we, just given what we've talked about i 'm going to go a minus on this oh, because I think right. they get i mean even though there are some things they get wrong um, there are there's a lot to like about the political concepts and the way they lay them out um, there are a lot of, a lot of positives so um, in that case a minus if I was going to go with a sort of overall class, I think i'd go more b but hmm. but in in a class yeah. with those other ones I just mentioned um, it's an a minus
1: I'm going B-minus uh, because I don't grade on a curve. Okay, fair <laughs> and uh, there's, although I think I agree with a lot of what Mitch has had to say today, what you've had to say, Andy, I, I'm still troubled by some of the second-layer level of politics in, this, yeah. in, in Star Wars world. The trade federations, mm-hmm. uh, I think, are really problematic as, as yeah. political institutions. I think the concept of federalism in, exported to the galactic level is, is fairly problematic as well. Sure. Sure. So oh, yeah. without sort of technologies that otherwise unify the unify the interplanetary system. So mm-hmm. B minus. Fair, fair enough, um, Sam.
3: I will say, as a layperson who doesn't teach political a science, <laughs> um, I, I I'm not going to give it a grade, but I'm going to say this one is is fairly high for me because of the worlds you named. This was one where the politics was in good and bad ways overt at least. Or, sure. Because some of the true. things you you, you yes. mentioned when you first said, like you mentioned harry potter and i was like what's that have to do with pot like i could eventually <gasps> get so no, much. i could eventually oh, get, we'll it, get there. but it's but like star wars you don't you don't have to think twice be like oh yeah i could totally yeah. see yeah I, it, i'm uh, star wars is the kind of thing i can use in class um, when we're teaching about the roman empire things like right. yeah. that yep. some of these others are trickier for me yep. um because it's less overt so i think in yep. terms of being overt it's very sure. strong Agreed. yeah
2: no i would agree with that and yeah I, I actually i think you know given give given the sort of parameters of how do, how how do you grade these things, i think i'm going to go with the b plus i 'm going to go slightly lower than okay. andy just to, just because i i do agree that there are several problematic elements um, in terms of how politics is depicted, but nonetheless i think um because of the overtness that Sam talked about and because um there are a number of, of themes that it does um it that, that, that it does if you're if you're willing to sort of look at it, it does get get sort of right mm-hmm. sometimes. Um it, it it's it's useful in that way. Or or at least it's it's useful it's a useful foil. Um okay. in ways that oftentimes I think um fantasy worlds are not. Um yeah.
0: Okay, come, my, my, come, I may see come, a bump in my course registration after this conversation. Couple, <laughs> couple more quick questions. <laughs>
1: um, first, just just a quick name. I, I don't want yep. we, we don't have time to go into this, but I want to, I want to award the Machiavelli Award. Who is the shrewdest politician in the Star Wars universe?
3: Oh, Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a slam dunk. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean,
1: almost to the point of like it's almost like this is a House
0: of Cards problem. I've never watched the U.S. version. I've only watched the British, but. Um, like crazily more shrewd than everybody else, nobody gets it. Yep. other than him, yep. right? right? That kind everybody of everybody else. Level is, everybody else in the whole
1: series yeah. is a
3: political doofus, except for Pel. Well,
1: except it's like for they're Alperin, not who's just politics. brilliant. It's like yeah. only yeah. one person's playing politics, and yeah. it,
3: the rest right. is too idealistic. Yeah, they're like starry idealists, and he's just okay. like, so Howard. let me ask a harder question. And now. I think
2: uh, just just as a quick cool. little aside, too, I will say if you want to read a little bit more about this, uh, Vox has a great um, piece basically on parties and, and Star Wars, which basically says, you know, essentially complains because they say, look. Why was there not an opposition party in the Senate to Palpatine? <laughs> like, you know, in real politics, there's always an opposition yeah. party. I mean, yeah. maybe they didn't disagree with Palpatine wanting to become, you know, maybe it didn't start with the emperor. Maybe it starts with his tax policy. Like, why isn't right. somebody opposed to Palpatine's are, are, taxes? Are you
3: going to write some Star Wars Freedom Caucus fanfic? Right, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, or, or, or whatever else. Maybe they're, maybe they're opposed to Palpatine's. It all starts with the Gungans. You
1: know. Yeah. All right. Um. Next question, very quickly. If you can, if we're all decided on the Machiavelli Award, how about the Erasmus Award? Uh, who is the <laughs> most noble, just politician? Mm. That's a trickier. I'm gonna, I'm
2: gonna actually say uh, Vice Admiral Holdo. Um, I'm gonna give her that okay. award. Um, okay. Solid pick. Huh.
0: I don't even really count her as a politician, though. I mean, well, she's a, to the extent that she's a, she a, a politician, she's a military. All right, we gotta go quicker. Come on. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm uh, in, go the, so, so, I mean, I'll go Padme. Padme is clearly like she's well intentioned. Yeah. I don't think she's all that effective, but she's well intentioned. She stands up for ideals. I mean, um, both as queen and as senator. She has a record of this. I mean, again, I don't think she's particularly effective, but uh, but at least she's you know she's upstanding.
2: Maybe so. maybe I'm going to back off on that. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to give Erasmus award to uh, to Princess Leia. I'm going to give it to Carrie okay. Fisher. That's and the reason deal. I'm going to give that is because, and especially especially for thinking Erasmus, is because she <laughs> is. I think I think she's perfect on this because um, on the one hand, she is the idealistic politician. Like mm-hmm. she wants to see democracy restored. That's her whole goal. Um, even though she's a princess but anyway okay. um but you know but regardless of that but but that. at the same time she's also very sensitive to religion she wants to see mm-hmm. religious influence mm-hmm. because she's you know she's somebody who believes in the force but is not personally force sensitive um, and well she or sorry she is force sensitive but she's not trained as a jedi i should say right, right. Um, uh, but then uh, but then I'm, cu- I'm cutting you off here in 10 seconds. Yeah, I think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all, that to say, all that is to say But she's very moderate like she's she she's willing to use the military at certain times, but she's not sort of militaristic in that
3: sense right. I'm, I'm really good with that answer.
1: All right. It probably good. beats my answer But I was gonna say Jimmy Smith. I can't even actually remember his character's name, but the former <sighs> senator Bail Organa Bail Organa oh, yeah, yeah. uh, who is Dad. in fact Leia's yeah. a foster father. So yes. there is um, there's a nice connection
3: there Okay, yep.
1: um, last question the, this is the asamoglu and
3: Robinson Award.
1: So, uh, yeah, we have Ace- one
3: more question after this. Remember? Okay.
1: Okay. So, uh, Darren asamoglu and James Robinson uh, talk about how nations fail. Yeah. Um, how does the Star Wars system fall apart? I think we already kind of know this because yeah. the Republic falls apart, becomes an Empire. Uh, what do you, if 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 left to, if we never saw another movie, what would happen just in the next hundred years or so out of the out of the demise of the New Republic and the First Order?
2: Well, Warlords, I
1: mean, yeah. or State I mean, like failure. I think galactic yeah. failure. Yeah, yeah, you get what you what this illustrates. How it falls apart is you
0: have an incredibly diverse group that doesn't. Nothing really ties them together, other than this vague idea right. that they should be governed centrally, and and that's why you, I mean I think you keep seeing that fragmentation. I think again, I think Star Wars gets that right. Um, it falls apart because there's nothing particular to unify them, other than mm-hmm. this vague idea that it would be better if the the galaxy had order. But that's not enough to trump sort of particular concerns at the planetary level. So episode twelve is Rise of the Huts. No. Well, maybe yeah. I guess they
1: could come back. <laughs> All right. I'm in. Why not I'm in? Just a nice, just a nice intergalactic gangster movie, Godfather with with slugs. Ooh, Godfather in space. Nice. All right. Yeah. So
3: here's the here's the last question, All and right. I, I already gave this to Mitch, and he actually has a really good answer for it. So this is the Leslie Nope Award. <laughs> yes. Who is the person who has sort of unflinching positivity and hope in the face of even the world falling apart around them? Well, that's easy for me.
1: It's Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> it is he's the most unfailingly positive character in the entire series and really truly does believe the okay, best in almost all everyone. credibility just because yeah. you gave an award see, to see yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we've gotten this far without mentioning Jar
0: Jar Binks and now we, we who just, is like, in that the Senate apart. right at some point yeah he's, he's, he's a, a senator that's yes. true he's a political figure he's a representative I right? would say right.
3: I would say all that's right. that's <laughs> the weakness of the Senate is that yeah, he was yeah. able to be there <laughs> yeah shows the decadence it's really discrediting
0: um let's you know I think I'm going to go with Leia, actually, for this one. I feel like she's, she's always like you know, seeking a positive solution, regardless of the, the kind of long odds against her, um, whether it's fighting in the military battles, whether it's fighting in the political battles, whether it's trying to smuggle you know, Death Star plans to the, the Rebellion. I mean, uh, whether they're 30 seconds from getting blown up by the Death Star, um, she's always kind of trying to look on the bright side. So I'll go with Princess Leia for this. All right,
1: Mitch, this is the
2: last word. All right, so the last word is I think it's Rose uh, in in, in uh, the Last oh, Jedi, yeah. and Rose Ooh, is right. basically unflinchingly positive. Me. Basically, uh, you know, she's constantly saying we have to we have to do the next thing, we have to do the best thing, even as the even as the you know basically the the base destroyer is rolling up to 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 blow them up, she says. She basically says, "I've just realized that it's more important um, to to um, I can't remember exactly the quote. Say what you love and kill what you hate. Say, exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Basically, yeah. basically yeah. care for the care for the yeah care for those that you love instead of instead of destroying what you hate. So. Um, so that's, that's essentially the epitome of positivity And essentially throughout the movie One of the things that we learn that she's inspired by um, Is the death of her sister But she's not bitter, she's not angry She's there because she wants to honor her sister's memory
1: um, By basically trying to make the galaxy a better place
3: <laughs>
1: And with that We will say farewell to Star Wars Thank you for listening to this I'm pleased to announce And Professor, I'm, Professor Branson will be even more pleased to announce That when we return to this series Ooh. Our next fictional world installment will be Lord of the Rings. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks all for listening. Go Royals.